You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring, and SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and uh, the driven and one step off the grid as well. And joining me is Nigel Morris um, from Solar Analytics. How are you, Nigel? Excellent. Thank you, Giles. Uh, raring to go this week. Um, things moving at a million miles an hour all over the market, uh, it seems at the moment. So, um, yeah, let's yeah, get man. into it. What's going on? Well, look, just to sort of say, it was good to catch up the other the other day at um, at the Byron Solar Solar Social, I think it was called, over at the oh, golf club up there. And, was um, it ever? Yes, apart from the fact that I sort of walked into a plate glass window and <laughs> trying to get in there in a hurry when I saw you there. <laughs> My enthusiasm to catch up with you. Just, kaboom. Yeah, we saw yes. that with, oh, there's entertainment. We didn't realise there was entertainment here. Yeah, look, I know you saw it, but you didn't actually get up and do anything and ask if oh, I was okay, did you? Just let me sort of stagger around in a circle on the balcony there until I finally recovered my senses, and I'm not too sure I have since, so... Um... Come on, mate, we got you a beer. <laughs> oh, great, yes. You'd be a fantastic first responder, wouldn't you? Here's a beer, mate. You'll be right. You, you poor old dog. Oh, yeah, oh dear. No, anyway. it, was a lo- it was a lovely little catch-up. Really great to see those regional events starting to happen uh, more and more and more now, more people getting together and re- some really interesting commentary and presentations and conversations. Great night. Yes, look, and, and absolutely no excuse for some of the people in the Gold Coast and the Brisbane to make a week or a weekend of it and uh, come down for the next one. Absolutely. So um, make it bigger and better. And um, look, I think we had so many sponsors and um, really not a huge number of people, so I, I presume people were still drinking till midnight or the next day. And oh, we were so ready to do shots at the end of the night. We went, hang on, there's two or three shots in this for each of us if we... If we, if we didn't all have to do something productive the next day. So, yeah, That's there was right. there was more tab than there was drinkers, believe it or not. Come on, people. And thanks to Something's the, broken in the universe there. Thanks, yes, absolutely. But, look, um, the big news this week is the ongoing spat um, in Victoria um, yep. over this solar rebate scheme. It's, it's gotten to be quite extraordinary now. Um, we've I've done an interview with Stan Kirpan from Solar Victoria, which we'll hear mm. soon. Mm. Good interview, but geez, I mean, really interesting. Yeah, but the news out this week is that um, the Smart Energy Council has called for a um, a street protest or a uh, a demonstration on on Thursday against it. Now, look, geez, I remember. I remember the um, Smart Energy Council calling people out in the street back in the days when the New South Wales um, feed-in tariff was going to be changed. I, yep. um, I, I, I can't remember <laughs> being called out in protest against a new initiative which actually encourage solar. But look, such is the division over the way that this um, scheme has been um, implemented. Indeed, and and Stan's interview was really, really interesting, and and listeners will get to hear about that shortly. But uh, certainly, I've heard, uh, I've had conversations with lots of different businesses in Victoria about this, and hearing lots of different stories about how some businesses are really um, uh, not getting much out of the scheme at all, and their business is falling flat. In fact, I read an article about one poor installer down there who has literally not had a single uh, job come through for two months. And so despite everything that Stan says, he, he cannot deny that there are businesses out there that are being negatively affected by this. 
it's a good scheme. Um, uh, it's imperfect, but it's a good scheme, and it is definitely definitely generating extra revenue. Um, uh, and additionality is what he referred to it as. Um, but I I would challenge him that you know he's being perhaps a little naive if he doesn't recognise that there are in fact solar businesses out there who this scheme is having is going to really devastate their business, and and that may be partially to do with what those businesses are or aren't doing to take advantage of the scheme. I acknowledge that. But nonetheless, there is a negative impact. And secondly, I also think Stan made the comment that, you know, there are a number of businesses who are continuing to conduct sales in the absence of rebates. So if the rebates run out, can you still sell a solar system? And, you know, psychologically, very, very few customers would ever proceed to buy a solar system with the knowledge that they're missing out on two, two and a half thousand bucks worth of rebate. Why wouldn't you wait till the next month? That's the first comment I would make. I think it is very unlikely that there is going to be a material market outside this. And um, I, I think they really need to acknowledge that and accept that. And secondly, I'm also aware I actually had a friend of my daughter's. Um, and my daughter was up visiting the other day and she mentioned that a friend had decided to proceed with a solar system through the rebate. Uh, they um, missed out on the rebate application and were told by their solar retailer, well, you will simply have to pay the addition. You cannot exit this quote. You will need to proceed and you'll just need to find the extra $2,500 you signed a contract with us. Mm. So the, there are still some some games being played down there yeah. that need to be worked out, and they, and and it's extremely tough for those businesses doing mm. tough. I have enormous empathy. Mm. Okay, look, we'll listen to this. Um, it's also look, it, it's not something that's going to affect Victoria because it's going to be something that affects um, New South Wales as well. They're just about to roll out their own scheme um, that's based around zero interest loans, and that's going to have its own issues about how that's managed. Um, so this is something which is, um, you know, how the state governments um, do these things is going to be really important. But anyway, let's listen. Um, here's the interview with uh, Stan Kirpan, the CEO of Solar Victoria. Thanks, Charles. Good to speak to you again. Yeah, look, now, um, the solar um, scheme launched by the um, Victorian government, I mean, over 10 years, I think it aims to connect 650,000 extra households, 2.6 gigawatts of extra rooftop solar. It should be nothing but a good news story, one would have thought, but um, it seems to have um, created a lot of grief um, somehow in the last couple of months, Stan. Um, um, that's a bit unfortunate. Yeah, look, uh, managing demand is always going to be a challenge with a program this popular. Um, it's actually 770,000 homes that will reach or householders that will reach over the um, over the 10 years. And although a lot of the focus has been on solar PV, and clearly that's the biggest part of the program, 650,000 households over the 10. Um, you know, there's also uh, an investment in, in batteries, which is unprecedented in 10,000 batteries over the 10 years, solar hot water. Um, for the first time, as far as we're aware in the country, um, it also includes um, solar for renters. Um, and uh, that's a part of the program that we launched also on the 1st of July. Um, look, as I say, it's a really popular program. On the 1st of July, we launched all of these new components as well as a, a new Solar Victoria platform, which allows us to uh, digitally process the bulk of the applications. And that's 
managed really well for us. Um, and we've also launched a new website. So all of those things, you're right, you know, we're um, uh, optimistic and, and pleased with how things are going. But clearly there's been um, uh, probably some system bugs and some teething issues that we're keen to iron out. And this, the industry has been really forthcoming in sharing those uh, with us. Um, well, they've, they've, they've certainly been forthcoming because they've been sort of using some quite strong language talking about the decimation of the industry. Um, yeah, and obviously we've got a different view uh, to that it, um, in terms of what's happened over the first year of the program. Um, more than twice the amount of installations were uh, being made per month in both um, December and, um, and Feb, March of this year. Um, and all of that has been additional because this program entered the market. So if you look at um, effectively 1718, um, you know, Victorian the Victorian industry was averaging about 3,000 installs per month. Um, for most of the period that we were in market with our rebates, it was more than double that, so more than 5,000 uh, per month. Uh, clearly, the pause that we had to implement in April, um, really to uh, manage the smooth transition to the new program, but also to manage that demand supply equation, um, has meant that it's come with some some pain and we understand that. Um, we're back in market, as I said, on the 1st of, um, of July. We were fully committed within the first um, uh, three days and that again represents the, the popularity of the program. But we're really not prepared to have this runaway train where effectively we open the tap and say it's open for as long as we've got budget for and then we close it suddenly. Um, and uh, that's also not a, not a smooth mm. or sustainable way of running the, um, running the program or the industry. Yeah, I guess I guess the problem faced by many installers is that because well, there's two things here is is and we'll go through them, but the overreaching thing has been because it is so successful because you've got this sort of surge in demand, you've got a limited quota, and I understand why you have a quota. It goes in three days, and then nothing happens. And what they're saying is basically the market evaporates, and because people are now waiting for the next round in August, and they're happy to to do that, you know, the, the market dries up. Um, I'm not too sure how you can get around that apart from possibly, as some people have suggested, maybe make the hurdle a bit harder, maybe reduce the income limit from, I think it's been suggested, 180000 to 90000 That way you might actually sort of, sort of throttle the, the supply and then maybe there could be an, you know, um, another market that continues for the rest of the month and keeps people busy. Well, obviously, Joel's business are going to need to adapt to the new program. We've been as transparent as we can before the launch on the 1st of July about how we've designed uh, this year. Clearly, I think the biggest uh, change to the program has been to move for, away from what was effectively a cashback system that didn't have a controlled entry point uh, to uh, a point of sale model. And that was really important in terms of protecting consumers and to manage both supply and demand, uh, but most importantly, to provide the best possible experience and protections for consumers. Uh, and we also think uh, that that's the most efficient uh, way of running the program. So if you have a look at what's happened in July, although uh, we were fully committed in July, and that was always expected, I don't think anybody was too surprised by that. In fact, most of the industry was predicting it when we were out on the road uh, promoting the program in, in June and explaining the new system. Uh, but uh, in effect, we've been able to process, of the 3,300 applications we received for solar PV on the 1st of July, uh, 
within two weeks, effectively, we've processed 2,000 applications, approved them, and they are now ready for installation. In fact, 500 Victorian households have already installed solar PV under that July allocation, um, and we've already paid 50 um, of the, the rebates. We've never been able to process with that sort of efficiency and with that sort of, uh, obviously, delay was a, a real feature of the first part of the program in sort of December, January, and February when we were at our peak. Um, and we've managed to, to really shave off those delays um, and create a, a more efficient experience. I think what's happening though is that it's going to take some time for us to get to the point where we're actually not only releasing 3,300 applications, we're also approving them, but they're also in market getting installed. And that's where I think those delays are what we're seeing uh, cause some angst um, from businesses who haven't been successful for a variety of reasons. There's a whole range of reasons that a quote might not be accepted as um, you and your listeners, I'm sure, are aware. Um, but it's indeed from many of those businesses who have missed out on this first allocation or it's kind of below what their market expectations are that we're hearing most of the concerns. But can I just um, explain though that uh, in terms of who's taking up the uh, rebates, that there is, I think, this uh, myth out there that these are wealthy people that are um, going to be buying solar PV anyway and that they're delaying purchasing decisions based on the availability of the rebate. Our data indicates under the first part of the program that two-thirds of households that are accessing the rebate earn less than $100,000 a year. And I don't think for mm -hmm. a combined household income that that is at all um, a an exorbitant um, salary. And so that effectively means you've got to reduce from the current maximum of 180,000 to 100,000. So really substantially affect that, um, that income test. Um, before you make any difference uh, in terms of the elasticity of the uh, of the demand. Mm. Um, and the final point I'd make is that 20% of our uh, customers are actually earning less than 20,000. And what we're hearing right? from them, the feedback is really overwhelming from, uh, from those retailers and installers and from those customers is that they would not be in this market without the rebate. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, and, and look, it's quite reassuring to hear those numbers, particularly the one sub 20,000 or, or, or whatever, and, um, and, and particularly the sub 100,000. I guess, though, the fear for some of the installers, and, and, and maybe this, they're right in arguing this, is that by having this quota of 3,300 and I think is it 3,333 by, by month, mm -hmm. you're actually not just creating a, 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 um, a market floor, you're also effectively creating a market cap. I mean, basically, that's kind of like the only businesses going around. Well, we don't agree. Look, we're only somewhere between, and it changes month by month, but somewhere between 50 and 60% of the entire market. So if you look at last year, um, we're on track, I think it's more than 50,000 installations. Um, this year, again, with us back in the market, we're on track to have a record year. We're expecting, and our modelling indicates, more than 50,000 installations in, in Victoria. Um, prior to the rebates, it was somewhere at around 30, um, 30 to 36,000. Um, so there is a substantial uplift, which we say is additional. Um, and that is working its way through the market. But as I say, we're not the entire market. We're incentivising a portion. Clearly, there are people who exceed that income threshold. There are people who are interested in solar, whether or not they get a rebate. Um, and then there's also commercial customers um, that would represent the entirety of the market. And at no stage did we want to 
effectively subsidise 100% um, of the market, and we don't want to um, to be that kind of, uh, as you say, floor or ceiling on the market. We do realise that it's an attractive offer, um, and I think the, the government has been unashamed in in promoting it, but we're not the entire market. And so there is there are businesses that are still doing very well um, without reliant, uh, reliance mm. on the rebate, and there are people that are um, uh, marketing um, to individuals who have no intention of applying for the for the rebate so the concern out of a lot of the people then is that some installers are missing out um what are they doing wrong and maybe you can address sort of maybe one fear that's running around the market is that um this sort of offering has been cornered by just a, a couple of very clever people who managed to work out how the business operates yeah, so I go back, look, it's an even playing field. That's how I would I'd start my, my commentary on, on that. Um, we were at pains, um, I think, to set up a very equitable approach where um, retailers, uh, the, certainly the largest 150 under the first year of the program, uh, were all required to sign up at, and be accepted as approved solar retailers under the Clean Energy Council scheme, which is, as we know, the only uh, scheme that provides that sort of level of consumer protection. Um, of them, 100 of them have been approved under the system. So that's already a sort of gateway that we put in place to make sure that there was a more equitable playing field and that um, customers were protected uh, in that. Um, the other thing is that size in this case doesn't matter um, because effectively the power is in the hands of the consumer. So we've deliberately set up a system where nobody receives a, a rebate and nobody is in any more advantaged position until a customer accepts a quote. Um, and that happens on our platform. It happens in a, uh, uh, in a smooth way and it's digitally matched then to the provider that they choose. Now, the providers that are being chosen, and we've seen a real shift in this, certainly some of the largest retailers that were there in the first year of the scheme are not approved and are not eligible under this um, second part of the program. But we're also seeing a real shift in the sense that there's been a greater diffusion. About 330 businesses have been successful in doing business on the platform, to use that term, um, in uh, in July. Uh, and that's about half of those that uploaded, um, uh, uploaded a quote. And we're seeing that in the um, top uh, 35, um, that they represent only 15% of market share. So effectively, you're seeing a real diffusion around a whole range of um, uh, providers rather than this concentration towards large retailers, which was a bit of a feature um, of the first year. Okay, so no one's cornered the market. If um, some installers feel they're missing out, um, what tips can you give for them? What, what are they doing wrong? Yeah, look, uh, what people I think are doing uh, that are maximising their opportunity and maximising their support to their customers is that firstly, they understand the, the portal um, and they put some effort into understanding that once we uh, did our roadshows last uh, June, um, we are just about to start some webinars that have been very broadly promoted promoted through the sector and through our database um, tomorrow, in fact, um, helping people navigate the portal. We've also improved the navigability of the portal and there's online guidance and the videos will be on uh, will be uploaded and be available on YouTube from tomorrow um, that will help people navigate the portal. And so that allows those retailers and installers um, to work with their customers on how 
to uh, how to navigate um, and also for those who are using customer service staff that their customer service staff are well trained and have their own um, I think guidance for their customers on how to how to access the portal and how to make their application um, we're finding also that um, in many cases retailers are doing outreach to their customers so where they know that they've uploaded a quote they're proactively then encouraging customers to sign up on day one um, if they can um, and and supporting them to navigate the portal we've also done a lot of work to improve the navigability and um, I guess user experience um, in the, and uh, there's no doubt there was some neat teething issues in that first uh, few days so for instance we got a lot of feedback about the address function um, having some limitations particularly in rural Victoria and we've addressed that now so it does allow for for manual input um, we know um, that the uh, visual ID um, that we're using the ID verification which is an online system it's the first time we've used it it's a highly efficient system but I, uh, only about 60% of people are getting that through that um, and we put some online guidance and that's already had an effect within the first few days of people that were using it um, to make it more navigable so um, businesses who are proactively supporting their customers are much more likely to have a quote accepted um, in those first few days, depending on how long the August release um, takes to, to be subscribed. Does that mean then that this is a system that may favour a, um, a, a a business which has just got more resources and can probably sort of, you know, sort of help manage this system rather than your sort of, you know, your father and son or mother and daughter outfit that um, might be smaller and and, and go about things in a different way? Yeah, look, we have heard that um, concern, but what I'd say is that again, um, the power is in the hand of the customer. So if you've got great customer service, if you've built a good rapport and relationship with your customers and you've got a competitive quote, then you're more likely to um, to have that quote accepted on the system and, and that customer will then get their rebate. Um, so the power is, you know, as always in the hands of the, the consumer and, and we've deliberately focused on that because this is after all a retail program that is trying to reach 770,000 homes over 10 over 10 years and we've put that power with the uh, with the customer. Now that's going to be disappointing for some businesses um, and it may favour those that are in a position to provide that excellent customer service, but that is part of the feature of what we're trying to promote, which is responsible customer service and consumers being able to take power of, um, of their own power bills. So what you're suggesting then is that what appears now as this sort of, you know, this, this great big solar coaster, this sort of stop-start thing should be smoothed out simply as people get used to, like, this is, the, this is now the new way of doing business. So a bit of a shock at, at first because everything seems to get decided in the first couple of days of the month. But then, then as this becomes the routine, then that should sort of smooth things out for everyone because everyone should have stuff to do during the month. Well, it's been interesting actually we've spoken to the top 20 retailers that have um, I guess done well to use that term uh, under this first month in July um, and what we're hearing from them is firstly that they have been very proactive about working with their customers to navigate um, the system but also that they were prepared in advance of the 1st of July to reach out to those customers um, and to have their um, 
their sales staff. Uh, almost all retailers and installers are doing um, some sort of sales, whether they're doing that personally or, or through others, um, and that they had them prepared. They had scripts, they had guidance, they had emails and etc. that were ready to go. And we're trying to be as helpful as we can to the industry by providing that information. And we're happy for it to be linked um, and promoted through individual businesses. Um, and obviously that then helps people navigate the, the system. Look, I do think it is a case of getting used to a new system. Uh, it's clear that with 3,000 or so applications in July and, and that being fully committed very quickly, um, that uh, it's going to take time for those to, to flow through to new uh, to new installations. Having said that, we've also still got um, applications that haven't been installed. Some businesses have four to six weeks uh, lead time. Some, business, some businesses who are still installing um, uh, uh, systems that were rebated under the first phase, so the pre-April phase of our program. And obviously we're really keen for them to be installed as quickly as possible so we can pay those rebates. So it does sound like a certain number of installers then got caught short, didn't quite realise the um, the um, the need to be prepared. So what you're suggesting then is that as it goes forward, they will be a bit more focused about this um, this system and um, and presumably then sort of get their fair share. Um, well, that's right. And obviously we're providing as much information as we can, apart from improving the navigability of the uh, of the portal. You know, we're providing these um, webinars, which I'd encourage your listeners to uh, to get onto. They, uh, we piloted one today and they're on various topics about how to navigate the system. Um, and we're happy to provide the details of those. We're doing online training videos and things like that. And then there's a hard copy guidance document that can be used not only by customers, uh, but also by sales staff and by retailers and installers and again we'd encourage them to to use that as a template in in helping their customers through just going back to the eligibility though i mean it is one hundred eighty thousand dollars. it does sound like a reasonable amount of money even if you didn't take it down to ninety thousand let's say you took it down to 120 140 or 150 thousand for argument's sake i mean if your data which shows that the bulk of people are coming in below ninety thousand, and you know there's a certain segment around twenty thousand. look and i think that's great because i just think that the lower income section has been you know an under serviced area of you know the rooftop solar industry for so long so it's fantastic that this that this um, this um, this initiative is addressing that, but let's say for argument's sake, if you did bring it down to say 120 to 140, wouldn't that then just allow a bit more of that other part of the market to sort of continue over time? So um, you know, there's you know a bit more of a widely you know a bit more of the status quo continues on, even as you're sort of focusing on the bulk of the market being under this system, which, you know, as you've argued, has better controls over it and, and, and better focus. Yeah, look, I, I can understand those arguments and I, I don't have that sort of sensitivity analysis for income tests or thresholds in front of me at the moment, but you would have to reduce the, uh, the income limit by quite a bit in order to get that... Um, that substantial reduction in demand or uh, to conversely increase the pool and thereby have um, more rebates available, um, you'd have to substantially affect it. And my concern is that at that sort of $180,000 income, that's a combined income, by the way, uh, that the program was deliberately trying to target um, effectively about 80% of Victorians. So it is a universal program in that sense. Um, and to reposition it as a 
uh, as a low income program exclusively would be a substantial policy shift, uh, which we haven't been prepared to make at this stage. Mm. Can we just get on to some of the other components then, just very briefly, um, before sure. we bring just the close, just the just the battery storage. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Um, when does that start, and and, and how will that be um, rolled out? Yeah, so look, um, Giles, we started a, a whole range of new uh, program offerings on the 1st of July as part of the expansion of the program to, from a one to a 10 year, and it included a thousand batteries. And again, um, knowing that demand could exceed supply, we uh, took the view that we would release that in three uh, releases. Um, the first one, which takes us from the 1st of July to the 1st of uh, to the 31st of October, is 200, and effectively that's a pilot. We've limited that and geographically targeted to 24 uh, postcodes uh, in growth areas, and also where there are high penetrations of um, uh, of solar PV. And um, uh, we took the view that high was anything more than 10%. So the combination of those factors um, is where we're targeting. Interestingly, I think we've only had um, 50 or 60 applications for batteries. So we were expecting the batteries to be fully committed. Um, and for a variety of reasons that hasn't happened. Uh, we also released 2000 uh, rebates. And again, uh, these are straight lined across 12 months in 12 equal releases. I think it's about 260 or 290 per month, uh, which are for renters and landlords. Um, and that's effectively the equivalent rebate of $2,225. It's the first time we've made that available. And again, um, uh, we haven't had a huge t uh, take up. And I wonder whether that's because uh, consumers aren't aware or because perhaps retailers aren't marketing to that, to that market segment but they are um, still well, available. Well, there's two opportunities, there you go. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. And you know, for those in the solar hot water uh, market, again, for those people who can't access solar PV or you know, for perhaps it's more economical for them to be um, looking at solar hot water, um, we've got 6,000 of those on offer and they are not capped. So you know, there are some marketing opportunities um, uh, there as well. That's interesting. Just going back, look, I'm, I'm not surprised that the renters isn't um, taken up quickly because that's probably a whole new market for the industry to approach and um, mm. and, and landlords can be um, just pretty disinterested, although they probably shouldn't be, but, um, but um, that doesn't surprise me. One thing, and do you have any insight as to why it's so slow in battery storage? Because we're actually seeing the same thing happen in, um, in South Australia, um, anecdotally, and... Um, Oh, Queensland reckon they're running out the running out the door, but um, I'm not too sure. But um, it's 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 fascinating. The battery storage industry is not taking off as quickly as people would think. Look, my own sense of that uh, is that it's probably still the price point for most people. Um, solar PV is obviously very um, attractive with the rebate. We've also we're also providing a zero interest loan for the other um, two thousand two hundred twenty five. So effectively, you've got four and a half thousand. Um, and for some systems that's zero up front, but even uh, if it's not covering the whole, it's a substantial amount. Whereas on batteries, uh, we're providing $4,888. Uh, that's uh, what we think is about half of an average 11 kilowatt hour uh, system, but that's still a substantial uh, capital outlay for most households. And for most households, if they're doing a sort of economic rationalist um, uh, equation, and I'm not convinced that people do, by the way, but let's say that they're looking at an ROI, 
supply, it's probably not tipping in favour of, of purchasing the battery at this stage, although there's there's great interest and it is growing um, even, and it's changing even quickly. After the rebate, even after the rebate? Yeah, so even after the rebate. And bear in mind that we're not providing loans on batteries either, so um, that's perhaps a less uh, attractive part of it. But for those who are committed who have got solar PV and, and, and are looking for even greater control and greater optimisation of solar PV, we think over time and as the industry gets um, uh, grows and gets more mature and as you know sort of price points come down that it will grow mm -hmm. it's going to be fascinating to watch indeed Absolutely. look stan um thank you very much for coming on to um the solar insiders podcast um and um look um wish you luck with the scheme and look um love to have you back on because um if over the next couple of months the issue is still not resolved then um, there's certainly going to be more questions from our audience in the industry and it'd be great to have you back on to answer them of course, Charles, I'd be delighted to. And that was Stan Kerpan, the CEO from Solar Victoria, which is the uh, Victorian government agency looking over that rebate scheme. Um, Nigel, I've just got to kick myself because uh, I didn't ask him about the facial recognition technology, which is being mm. used in, um, in in actually sort of signing up for these, um, you know, for, for, for a customer to actually sort of get hold of the quote in the end. And um, yep. look, I can kind of understand why that would be, but geez, it gives me a bit of a heebie-jeebies when you sort of think about, you know, the sort of facial recognition and the social credit system in China. But look, have, yeah, have you it's, to... it's definitely scared a few people off. I've heard that from retailers uh, in Victoria where they, you know, they literally had a number of customers just went, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, I don't know if I want to give my face to you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I try to get back and find out a bit more about it from their point of view. But um, obviously, um, because I think of the developments um, this week, I'm obviously a bit busy. Um, just when Stan referred to today and tomorrow, um, he was actually sort of, um, that was recorded on Monday afternoon. Um, this is being released on Wednesday. So he was kind of talking about the first webinar on the Tuesday, but I'm sure it can be um you can download that. Look, Nigel, on Thursday, there is going to be a, um, a demonstration. Um, are you going to go along? And if you are, what is it that you want to see changed? Yeah, look, um, I'm juggling, I'm juggling uh, multiple demands for my time at the moment. But if I'm not there, one of my team certainly will be. Um, we will go in solidarity and in support of all Victorian installers. Um, that's why we would go. Um, I'm not going to um, protest the fact that there's a rebate scheme in Victoria, but I am going to go down and support those installers who have found it difficult to find a market outside the rebates and have not been able to, and, and have suffered um, as a result of that. So um, full solidarity and full support for the installers. So it seems then that people are not yet convinced um, about whether this sort of system will sort of, you know, as Stan suggests, you know, even out over time. And um, I think there's probably more to go on the um, on the income qualifications. I sort of put that to Stan several times, but um, I can't see how, even, even if he insists that it wouldn't actually change that much in the uptake, but at least it might give people some bit more clarity about what other market might be out there. But, mm, um, and I saw the Premier sort of push back on that point too and, and release some statistics only the other day saying that uh, I think it was 70% of applicants would have fallen into that income bracket anyway, so it wouldn't actually have changed a huge amount about the, about the results of the scheme, even if it had been lowered to the number that was suggested. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. And, I, and I'm with you. I, I think everyone always has to learn as these schemes take off. And, and you know, Stan's comments about um, that I was really glad that you got him to talk about some of the statistics around the scheme. You know, the top 
35 companies represented in the July scheme, only represented 15% of market share. Okay, okay, that's a pretty good spread. That's not a huge concentration. Um, um, now, we're, we're taking those, those, that um, data on, on face value without having seen more around that, and it would be really interesting to see some anonymised data come out about what that spread looks like. And I, and I think the point that he also made that there was certainly, um, when you, they said, he, he made a comment that the top 20 um, uh, businesses in the scheme were very much more prepared, were very proactive. They had scripts, templates, processes, systems, staff lined up, and they were ready to press the button and go like a bull at a gate when the scheme launched. And, um, you know, in some ways, I have to say that that's business. There's always going to be some people who gear up and leverage a scheme like this harder than others. And those who gear up and leverage are going to take more share. And that doesn't make it a bad scheme. That yeah. means that um, businesses need to be able to compete and um, and keep up. So I get a whilst I feel a lot of empathy and a lot of compassion, um, I also do get a sense that you know as the scheme moves on, all installers will learn some of these tricks and tips about how to help customers through the process, how to not lose so many off the off uh, as the process goes through, and yeah. that spread. I would hope that that spread continues to get even wider over time, and that would be a key metric that I'd be looking for: is is that concentration getting worse or is it getting better? Um, um, yeah. That's what I'd be looking for. Yeah, you know, there is so much good about this scheme um, and, and and some of the things that have been put into place, but um, so it's, it's really quite remarkable it's sort of come to this. Um, and, and there's probably good arguments on both sides. So how this is resolved is going to be fascinating. Um, I don't, look, I, I, you know something else I heard, uh, Giles, talking to another solar business down there. They made the comment that they have managed to continue to bring in some business for customers that were not successful in getting through the re- rebate application. But the way they did that was by taking a huge hit on their margin. Um, they worked with their suppliers, they worked with their installers, they even you know, looked at their staff and the sales commissions and said, well, if you guys want to keep busy, if you want to keep these jobs coming through the door, we've all got to take a little hit. And um, that was successful for them and they were managing to bring in more mm. sales. They were doing it at low margin to keep the wheels turning and that's not a sustainable, that's not a healthy outcome to drive, you know, two and a half grand's worth of margin out of a sale um, or even some proportion of that. So, you know, there are a lot of consequences of, of, of this type of scheme. Mm. In, in, look, I'm just, I was going to wind up there, but um, I was fascinated too by his comments about battery storage. I mean, that you know, just 25% of it touch, you know, 50 out of 200 in a three-month period. That goes to what you said, you know, breaking news a couple of um, episodes ago um, about, um, you know, battery storage and even the schemes in South Australia just being very slow uptake. And to, that's really interesting. Just looks like the arse has fallen out of the battery storage market. I mean... You know, you hear about installations happening, but I think a lot, a lot of them in sort of off-grid or rural situations. But, um, you know, mm. this mm. anticipated um, uptake is, um, you know, even even with a rebate, just seems to be pretty small. Mm. Mm. And look, I mean, everything in context, right? Compared to what we had a couple of years ago, the market's very, very strong, right? And, there, and there's a lot more opportunity and there are people out there who are willing to spend their money. Um um, but but clearly, it, it, all the indications are that we're not going to see the big leap in growth this year like um, like we thought mm. we might. Okay, so I'll rephrase that. The arse has not fallen out of the market, it's fallen <laughs> out of expectations. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> 
Hey, listen, um, look, just another couple of points before we get on to um, some of the things that you've got planned. Um, we just noted this week that the um, share of solar in national demand has reached more than 20% in each of the last six days. And just wow. to sort of point out, if people haven't already realised, we are in the middle of winter. Um, I mean, it has been incredibly mild, sort of cloudless weather in large parts of the country. Um, mm. Quite extraordinary. Um, you know, the share of renewables has been peaking, you know, at more than 40%, that sort of wind, solar and um, and uh, and hydro. But the fact that solar, rooftop, the combination of rooftop which accounts for two-thirds of this solar output and, and utility-scale solar, you know, peaking at 20%, around about the middle of the day, each day for six days in the middle of winter. Um, sign of things to come, my friend. It sure is. It's quite mm. something, isn't it? And, and you know, we obviously, we you know, with our um, solar analytics does performance monitoring and we've got a fleet of 30,000, so we're watching nationwide now the the yield from solar systems compared to sol- to compared to s- real solar radiation around the country and we certainly saw you know just up to the equinox there was a, a sort of a spate of quite bad weather the where it was very very low solar uh, radiation and the sun happened to be at its lowest point in the sky as well and so we saw some you know a, a little bit of a spike in underperformance but since then following the the couple of weeks after the equinox we've started to see a really big recovery in in the number of systems that are performing normally or even above expectations again and we've had some absolutely stellar crystal weather here in New South Wales over the last week or so um, so um, so yeah I think I think all up it's actually been a cracker um, solar winter and certainly above average temperatures for for winter yeah. in New South Wales at least so mm. yeah well that's right they even got fire warnings I think for later on this week and um, it's funny you mentioned the winter equinox um, there was actually a record of utility scale solar output across the national electricity market of 1,752 megawatts. It was a record output and actually was reached on the winter equinox. Get that. Oh, get out. <laughs> wow. What a great just statistic. Tit, just another little tidbit of information. Um, oh. Yeah, there you go. And look, I'm just on a roll here, Nigel. Um, I won't shut up. Um, another thing to really watch out for, we did a bit of a report on this um, work from the... Uh, Electricity Networks Australia, which is the network lobby, and AEMO about distributed um, resources. This is rooftop solar, battery storage, and venture electric vehicles, how they can sort of, you know, manage that, monitor that, and optimise it. Um, interesting report. I mean, they do sort of say that this is going to be such a big component, and currently we have very little visibility and no control and blah, 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 and kind of understand that. Um, but it's interesting, this latest report sort of takes a bit forward about this sort of creation of what they call like a distributed system operator and a distributed market operator. They've had a lot of feedback, they started to change their thinking, started to do a hybrid system. But what I noticed most of all was a bit of a change in language, which is actually quite welcome. So rather than like the ENA with their new CEO, who's a bit of a bull in a china shop, was charging around last year talking about, you know, blackouts and you know, just exaggerating the issues. Um, it's nice that the um, conversation has become a bit more sober. Um, and I think that's very welcome. And um, I think another thing that um, one of our sponsors, Solar Analytics, were welcome to is the um, is the push for the need for monitoring. And um, I'd very much support that, as I imagine um, your company would too. Um, we're, we're very active in that. And in fact, uh, unsurprisingly, um, but, but interestingly, you know, one of the main motivators for us in, in trying to push for you know um, 
voluntary increases in, in the application of monitoring or the requirements for monitoring is that the more monitoring that is out there, the more information we can give to the networks, to uh, the regulators, to the AEMOs and AERs of this world, so that they can see where the problems are in the, in the networks and indeed where there are opportunities for solar. Um, and also all these voltage issues that we've discussed uh, previously. So, you know, if there are parts of the network that the network can't see very well and we can get data to help them adjust those parts of the network, we'll help get more solar on. And one of the great ways that we can do that is rather than saying to networks, well, you've got to spend a a, a quazillion dollars putting you know highly sophisticated SCADA systems all through your network to understand what voltage is out there well guess what we've actually got tens of thousands of voltage monitors out there already in our little systems and we can actually help you with that data um, so you know there's a there's a really good societal wide benefit that can come from the uptake of high quality monitoring let alone if you you know can help people save more money and get more out of their solar as well of course. And seeing we're talking about our sponsors, we should also mention PV Cell from uh, Warwick Johnson's um, outfit, um, Sunwiz. Um, been sponsored with us for many months and um, also a very key tool for um, solar installers and people looking for business out there. So mm. um, thanks once again. Thank, thanks to both Solar Analytics and PV Cell from Sunwiz. Yeah, Nigel, was good stuff. Good, good stuff. stuff. Why wasn't he there at the solar, solar drinks last week? I don't know. Just a <laughs> plain trip away. Look, um, you've been on the road. I have been on the road. I have been on the road. I was very, very fortunate. Not only did I get to go and um, watch you walking into uh, glass doors uh, in Byron Bay um, and enjoy the company, but one of the things, I visited a whole bunch of people up on the North Coast, and I just wanted to give a little shout out to one of the oldest solar companies in Australia. I dropped into Nimbin to the Rainbow Power Company, and um, um, some listeners know, many might not uh, know, that I actually started out up there at the Rainbow Power Company um, more than 25 years ago. It was where I got my first break into the solar industry and learned an enormous amount off a wonderful bunch of long-haired, admittedly, predominantly, uh, hippies who had been pioneering in this space and... Um, uh, you know, bless those guys. There are some amazing people up in that space. They've grown a lot since I was there. Their building's expanded. There's, I think they said, more than 30 staff there now. There's offices upstairs. There's stuff going off overseas. They're doing stuff all over the place. And um, How's their hair? <laughs> you know, there was, some, there was some ponytails, but, you know... <laughs> still? Still some ponytails. But, um, you know, bless them... Uh, there are also some of the most, literally the most brilliant people I've met in the industry. There are some very, very clever people up there, both in technical stuff and in uh, and in sales and marketing and all sorts of issues. So just a huge shout out to them. It's, it's great to see a company that survived more than 30 years in solar now, um, still going, still plugging away. Some of the, one of the original founders, DC, who's I don't know how old DC is, but he's still there. He's still out the back in the same chair that he was in when I was there <laughs> and still plugging away. And it's um, it's really wonderful to see those guys, you know, they're, they're bringing in the latest innovations. They're doing tons with lithium now for their off-grid customers. And yeah, just a huge big shout out. And lots of young, actually, you know, the best story I heard was a lot of the staff now uh, at RPC are actually the children of some of the people who originally helped to found that business. 
So the second generation are now coming into that business and helping to bring it forward into the future. And I thought, if that's not a sign of, um, you know, staying power and persistence and everything else, I don't know what is. So, you know, good on them. Great Bloody work. hell. Organic solar cells. Unbelievable. Yeah. They've, finally, they've it's arrived. Yeah. <laughs> They're giving birth to their own <laughs> solar gurus up there. <laughs> and you also caught up with our mate um, Jeff Bragg from the uh, SEIA. I did. And look, this is a new segment that I'm going to put in every week. And I'd invite listeners to give me any suggestions or prompts they've got. But I thought it was time that I gave a shout out to people that I met um, who just blew me away with what they're doing. And I meet so many good people. So I'm, I'm undoubtedly going to offend some. But uh, CNU South Wales had their annual meeting uh, last week, uh, sold out event, another terrific day, very grassroots, lots of good meaty issues for everyone to sink their teeth into and lots of good networking. And um, Jeff Bragg, for those of you who don't know, works up in um, uh, the New England area of uh, up around Armadale, has been in solar forever. Uh, I've worked on and off with John uh, with Jeff for for many many years in many many different eras uh, or, or, or genres and, and and places, but Jeff has volunteered his time uh, to help develop the industry via the Solar Energy Installers Association of New South Wales and the national body for more than a decade now, all voluntary work. And it is volunteerism that I wanted to shout out to, and particularly for Jeff. You know, um, he um, he stood down from uh, being the chair of the uh, of the board for SIA this year, I think, um, after many many years of doing it. So huge shout out to all the huge work that he's done. There are lots of other good people out there. I'm going to try and find one every week. If you've got a name, send it through to me. So shout out to uh, volunteerism and specifically to Jeff this week. Um, secondly, just wanted to have a quick shout out to the fact that SIA are also running another event their annual Queensland uh, Solar Installers Conference which is coming up on August the 9th in Townsville it's at the Townsville Yacht Club so if you if you live anywhere south of Coffs Harbour I don't know why you aren't going because Townsville Yacht Club at this time of year talking solar with some buddies doesn't get any better could be a long drive but anyway um, <laughs> quick tip <laughs> Hey, look, um, we're just going to run through. We've got to be a bit careful of time because of my mm. extended, lengthy, too long interview with Stan. But anyway, um, look, um, some um, a, a quick one on uh, on crap solar. Um, we didn't have one last week, but um, old Ralph the solar expert called you eight times last week with an offer that you probably couldn't but did refuse. <laughs> this was... There were lessons in this. I'm going to keep it really, really short. So completely out of the blue, home phone rings at some guy called Ralph, who is an alleged solar expert. Um, it was a really bad line, and he kept dropping on and off, but he basically started trying to cajole me into buying a solar system and started throwing promises out at me. Um, I played along with Ralph for some time, um, including making him ring back a numerous times. Um, I faked the fact that... Um, my kids were causing a humdrum and said, Ralph, 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 I've, I've just got to sort the kids out. Give me your phone number. I'll ring you straight back because I really want to proceed and buy this solar system. And he gave me a phone number, which of course did not work. When he rang me back, I said, Ralph, that phone number didn't work. You've got to give me a number that works, man. I want to call you back. I want to buy this solar system. He gave me another number. Also, did not work. Um, so, you know, it was clear straight away that he was full of crap. Um, I, he told me that my $3,000 electric bill would be zero. 
absolutely zero. I would have zero electricity bill to pay whatsoever with an investment of a mere $3,000, which is an absolute outright garbage lie. He also told me that there was a 50% rebate on solar that ended this month which is also an outright blatant lie. Uh, He was completely confused about where electricity is purchased from because he said the government supplies electricity and that if I, you know, bought a solar system, I would no longer have to pay the government for my electricity. He claimed that I'd get a one-year payback. Um, I mentioned to him that my house had some shading to test him on his knowledge of shading and then said, oh, I'm looking at my neighbour's place. He's got full sun. Can we put it on his roof and just plug it into my house? To which Ralph exclaimed that, it was a great idea and he didn't see why it wasn't possible. Um, so this went on and on and on and on, and on until I, I was just in stitches laughing at how ridiculous it was. Um, when I checked, the business name that he gave me was a deregistered business name. So I think what this company had done had look, was looked at the names of deregistered solar business uh, around the country use that name um, just to cover their backside. Um, there was a website with an address um, which I was able to Google. Turns out it's not a solar business, it's actually a car hire facility. So, scam, 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 lie, lie, lie. And you know, um, I hear stories about people falling for this, and Ralph was trying real hard. Um, Look, there's no doubt that people do. Look, you know, remember that old. Um, that old um, cheap batteries for sale that people, you know, that, that um, everyone's getting a letter in the letterbox, everyone's sort of solar yep. system saying, oh, there's this special research thing we can do and just yep. for you, we can offer it half price. Yep. Um, but actually, it's twice the price. And first of all, they came out with um, in-phase battery offerings that they're selling at five and a half grand or six grand mm. and um, they should be bought for less than three. Mm. Um, they're at it again. And this time they're proposing Alpha ESS um, batteries. And I've actually had a couple of my friends ring me up or email me or text yeah, me saying, oh, I just too. got this in the mail. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> it's, um, you know, is it any good? And I say, mate, it is a complete scam. Don't go touch it. And I explain it. And then they go, oh, are you sure? Sounds like a good offer. Go, no, no. <laughs> No, listen, yeah. scam, so don't do it. It's, you know, if you want a battery, oh, unbelievable. So, um, yeah, bloody hell. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay, um, what else is happening? Just a quick oh. wrap on EV and battery news just before we go. Just the, the one thing that I'm going to say on EV and battery, this, I'm not even going to talk about electric motorcycles. When I was up on the North Coast, and I know you'd previously done an interview on the Driven with Nick Lake in his wonderfully converted 1962 Volkswagen Beetle that's all electric right? Yes his bright red VW bright Beetle. Red. I think it might be 63 but anyway. 63 there you go. Well I was very fortunate I dropped in to say day to Nick uh, while I was in Lismore and um, he said oh do you want to go for a spin? Um, we were going somewhere to, to have a drink. Uh, here's the keys and threw me the keys to the uh, to the V-Dub and I have to say it was a blast. It smelt like a V-Dub it drove it handled it, like a v-dub it rattles right? like a v-dub it rattles like a v-dub but boy she doesn't go like a v-dub it, it had some poke mate it was somewhat terrifying chasing him in my little high car down this back road and he said don't be afraid to fang it you know give it some and you know feel the power that <laughs> feel the power you know oh, you remember what it's like flogging a volksy you know 62 or 63 volksy down a bumpy old mountain back road boy she was skating around and dancing around with all that power but yes. um, really impressive conversion and what a great little what a great little car 
Absolutely. No, just fantastic. Yeah. And so that, that made can... my trip. That made my trip. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Nigel. Well, look, great to catch up again. And um, apologies to the listeners for a very long um, podcast um, this week. But I hope you find it is worthwhile. Certainly some interesting times. And uh, we'll be back again in a fortnight. And don't forget to send Nigel some ideas of um, more great people to talk about. And um, check out also the tickets for our electric vehicle conference coming up in a um, at the end of August too. So mm. um, and see you Queensland, website. see you in Townsville. Hey? We'll see you in Start driving now. Yeah. <laughs> solar Insiders was brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au. Get empowered and make the most of your home energy. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV Cell Software, powerful technology for solar sales and design. With free, high-definition rooftop imagery in every PV Cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar software.